Well, it's good to be here today, and I say here, here, because I'm not in my home recording myself. I'm in our worship center here at Chelton. Of course, you're not, not yet. We really look forward to our regathering the first Sunday in August, Lord willing. And uh, today, I get to stand here, and it feels really good, but I really miss seeing you. Hopefully that's very temporary and uh, looking forward to being together in two weeks. Until then, uh, we have to uh, communicate this way and I'm so happy to have the privilege to do that today. Today we are going to wrap up our series that we started quite a while ago called God's New Community. The church, it's who we are. And we've been looking at different images that the Bible gives for who we are. We looked at the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the temple of God, and now today and next week, we will be talking about the family of God. We find this concept twice in Paul's letters. Listen to Galatians 6.10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers, the household of faith. Or 1 Timothy 3.15, where Paul says that he wants us to know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. So next week, Pastor Shep will take part two and talk about the relationships that we enjoy as members of the family. You know, we have spiritual sisters and brothers and mothers and fathers. But today, I'd like to ask the question, how do we become part of God's family? Since not everyone is in it, right, how does it happen that we are now, a brother or a sister or a spiritual mother or a father, a child of God, how does that happen? And what I want to show you today is that Paul uses an analogy from his day that also matches in our day as well. It's an analogy that we all know about, adoption. I want to explain what that term meant then, draw out some parallels to it now, and then I want to ask three important questions, which will hopefully impact the way we think about it and how we live in light of being adopted. So first of all, our text today is Romans chapter 8, verse 15. Romans 8, 15. The word of the Lord says, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live again in fear. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. What a beautiful text this is. This word, adoption to sonship, that Paul uses here is a word that only he uses in the whole New Testament, and he uses it 
five times apart from this particular verse. And he is the only one who looks around at his culture, the Greco-Roman world, and says, like that, so us. The Greek word refers to that practice in his day of adoption that guaranteed all the legal rights and privileges of a natural-born son to an adopted son. And in Roman culture, sons were the only ones, not daughters, that led the family, that got the inheritance. And what Paul is doing here, as we will see, is that he includes all believers, women, in the family of God. So this is a very important word. It, it comes across as three words in our English text, adoption to sonship. But in the Greek language, it's all one word. Every one who believes in Jesus is a son in privilege of God. So we would say a child of God, wouldn't we? You know, there are no natural-born children of God. Each one has to be individually adopted by the triune God. Now, just because, say, one of your parents or both are Christians doesn't guarantee that you are. Corey Ten Boom often said that God has no grandchildren, only children. His sons and daughters have come from all nations and all economic statuses and all educational levels and all ages and all with maybe the most unlikely backgrounds, those with religious upbringings and those born and raised as atheists. God has no favorites. There's no tribalism. There's no race that he favors more or less. There's no culture that has first or second place in the kingdom of God. If you take a look at how God has birthed his church, it started in Jerusalem as a Jewish church. But very quickly it spread into the Roman Empire where Gentiles, non-Jews, were there and all sorts of races and languages were part of the family of God. And if you study it for 2,000 years, you see how no one owns the church. It's not a Jewish church. It's not a European church. It's not an African church. It's not an Asian church. It's Jesus' church made up of his brothers and sisters, all sons and daughters adopted by God. We have several families in Chelton who have adopted children, and we have some who are adopted themselves. And I was thinking of using one of our church families as an illustration, but then I remembered that my son-in-law, Isaiah, Abby's husband, has a sister who has adopted four children from Ethiopia. Her name is Kyla, 
and her husband, Bobby Mitchell. And they live in North Jersey. And when they come down to visit with uh, our daughter's family, they usually come over to see us too because we're like one big family. And it's so amazing to see them relate as adoptive parents to their children, each one that they adopted over the years. And uh, I'm going to be using them as an illustration as we move through. I, I want to ask three questions about adoption. The first question is this. Why does God adopt us? Have you ever thought about that? Why are you a Christian? And the answer that the Bible gives us very plainly is because of his loving grace alone. Here's a verse that says it, Ephesians 1, 5, and 6. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship. Through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he freely gave us in the one he loves. Do you hear the words there of love? That's why God predestined us. God arranged our destiny. And how did he do it? By adopting us as full sons. And why did he do it? Well, it's to the praise of his grace, his glory. Have you let that sink deep into your soul? The question, why did God adopt us, is basically answered because he loves us, period. Not because we are lovely, not because he knew that we would love him, but simply because he chose to love us as sinners and bring us into his eternal family. There's an old hymn. The first line of it goes like this. I sought the Lord, and afterward I knew he moved my soul to seek him seeking me. What great assurance and confidence we have knowing that God and God alone is the author of our salvation. It's not something we dreamed up that we initiated. God loves first. That's what the book of 1 John says. We love because he first loved us. Or Paul says in Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. He began it. We didn't begin it. We responded to the call of God. Our adoption is not based on our blood, but on Jesus' blood shed for us on the cross. I talked to Kyla this week about her children, and this is what she said to me when I asked her about the motivation that she and Bobby had 
to adopt these four precious children. She said, I'm still drawn to what the judge said, finalizing each adoption. He said that the child is ours as if they were originally born to us. They have the rights and the authority of a full child of ours. And then she said, I think some of this process of earthly adoption was something I needed to see and go through to understand what God has done for me and how he looks at me. I see my kids as wholly mine. They are loved by me like I never knew I could love. That's what God did for me. Have you felt that? Have you felt that awesome mystery that says, before the creation of the world, God knew you and God loved you and God chose you and brought you into his family before the world was even created? In the mind and heart of God, we were, we were eternally loved. I love that hymn that we so often sing. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The Father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. And then it ends. I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart, his wounds have paid my ransom. So the first question, why would God adopt us, is simply answered, but profoundly felt, because Jesus loves me. This I know. There's a second question. How should we talk to our Heavenly Father? How should we address him? And this verse tells us very plainly. Let me read it again. It says, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, the spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. That word Abba is a Aramaic or Hebrew word, and it, it means something like dad. It's an emotional word of love and attachment. It's, it's not quite daddy, but it's not father. It's, it's that middle ground that adults can call their fathers dad. It was spoken by Jesus as an adult to his father. You remember in the Garden of Gethsemane in Mark 14, 36, he called God, Abba, let this cup pass from me. 
And because we are now sons and daughters of God adopted into his family, we are in that same relationship that our Savior and Lord is. Father, dad, and son and daughter. That means that you can think of your heavenly father as your dad. Do you actually speak to him like that? Maybe it's hard for you to verbalize it with that word. Well, don't do it then. But take that word father and put into it all of the emotion and the attachment and the endearment that a child or an adult would have for that one who cares so much and is always there with his love. Do you say it? Abba. You know, it's in our Bibles, untranslated. It's good for us to do that. You realize that? The Greek-speaking Gentile Christians took on a Hebrew word without translating it. They could have translated, and they did, Abba, Father. But they kept that special Aramaic Hebrew word because that's the relationship that Jesus had to his Father and that we do as well. You know, when Kyla and Bobby come down and visit, whether they come to spend some time inside in the winter or outside at our pool, I just love to hear each of their four kids call Bobby dad from the littlest one to the teenage, Abba. Why? Because that's who Bobby is. He's their dad. And that's who we have in our great God and Father. He's our dad. Call out to him today. Do you have a need? Of course you do. Do you continually cry out, Lord, Father, Dad, Abba, my Abba? That's what prayer is. It's climbing up to Abba's lap and just feeling secure, knowing that his arms are there to care for you. Third question I want to ask, and the last one, is why do we not celebrate our adoption? If it's this good, why aren't we talking about it more? And let me read verse 15 again of Romans 8. I think it's because of what Paul says at the beginning of the verse. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. That's how he starts the verse. Then he talks about Adoption to sonship and Abba relationship. Fear. You know, Romans kept their slaves in fear and submission by using whips and hooks and a cross, if nothing else worked. But for Christians in the family of God, there's only one cross that our Father cares about, and it's the one that his Son was nailed to for us and our sins. And it's now empty and a blessed memory, never again to be endured by any of God's children. There's no reason to fear. There are no good grounds for fear 
Your father chose you because he loves you. Your father keeps you because he loves you. And your father will be with you forever because of his immense love for you. He is always and forever your dad, Abba. Kyla told me that their kids wonder why they can't be with their birth parents over in Ethiopia. And Kyla and Bobby assure them that they are providing for them everything and more. And if their kids had not been adopted, probably they would have been unsure as to who would take care of them and who would supply their needs. And they would be afraid, who is there to love me? But now they have none of those fears because they have parents who love and care for them every minute of every day. So when God adopted you, it's because he loves you. And it's because he cares for you. And he wants that slavery of fearfulness to be gone because there's no reason for it. We are part of the family of God because God loved us, welcomed us, and has adopted us into his family forever. Let's pray. Abba, thank you for loving us. We do not know why, but we love your love for us, and we pray that that might dispel our fears that it might melt our worries, even the ones that we're dealing with right now and this coming week. And may the spirit that you've put in us continue to call us back to the one who loves us immensely because of the one who died for us, your beloved son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.